0: This podcast is proudly sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, a Catholic fraternal benefit society dedicated to helping members achieve financial security through life insurance while supporting the Catholic community through fraternal outreach. So we touched on this in the last episode very briefly, but this was significant for me and I've, I've brought this up a few times, but I, we've never really had a whole conversation around, um, around this, which is living... Sacramentally. Hmm. So if you had asked me four years ago, someone just said what does that mean? I would have had no idea. Yeah. I would have said, I don't really know what, what sacrament means. I think that's more of like a Catholic thing. This would have been my answer. Now, on the flip side, if someone had someone I knew loved me, came and said, I can, I can get you a little closer to Jesus than you are right now. Are you interested? Of course, my answer would have been yes. We used to sing this song by a, a, a songwriter named Jared Anderson, who I really liked some of his stuff in in the past. He had a great song called Rescue and "Amaze," Maze, but he had this one called Treasure. And the chorus was, I would run for a thousand years if I knew every step would be getting me closer. Mm. I would swim to the ocean floor um, if I knew something, something. I can't remember the rest of it. But I remember somebody at one point, in our church, objecting to that, going, but that's impossible. I can't run for a thousand years, so why would I say if? That just seems hokey and poetically empty. And I thought there was a good point to that. My argument at the time was, yes, but if you could get a little closer, would, yeah, would wouldn't you? Would you do it? You know, like the I think of the the hemorrhaging woman. If I could just touch the fringe of his robe, right, all right. You know, even people trying to fall into Peter's shadow. I mean, my brother made this point. Could you imagine? You know, if there were uh, uh, images or videos of people trying to fall into the Pope's shadow. Yeah. They'd think we're nuts, but there it is in the Bible, <laughs> right? Trying to get just in his shadow. Yeah. But Paul, when he couldn't reach people for healing, he sent along his handkerchief. It wasn't Paul's power in the handkerchief. It was Jesus in the handkerchief mm. healing people. So we see sacraments in the in. The Bible. I just didn't see that before. I just sort of skipped over those things, but what I've told people is, you know, you can have an issue with Catholicism. Final. What I can tell you is, I encountered Christ. My encounter with Christ in the Catholic Church was so profound. I can't unsee it. I can't unencounter it. And to be, have my senses touched. My physical senses touched. Fulton machine has a great. Uh, comparison on, on our senses and on, on sacraments, spiritual sacraments, sort of matching something in the physical real world of our physical needs. And it's interesting when you're like, we talked about this, I think, forever ago, you and I, when you're a baby, you just need to be fed Right. And so anything a little baby gets in their hand, they just shove in their mouth. It's really interesting. It, there's like, I've never been around a baby that was not shoving something, and it's constantly shoving <laughs> right. something uh, uh, into its mouth. So there's this need to be fed. And I did not have, we would have called it spiritual. We believed in a spiritual realm. And certainly we were more interested in the dark realm, ironically. Like we were. We knew that possession was real. I believed people Mm -hmm. could be possessed Mm -hmm. by demons, Mm -hmm. and I'd met friends that had encounters with demonic presences in their waking life with Ouija boards that, you know, really impacted them in a a negative way. And I began don't
1: play with Ouija boards. Don't
0: play with Ouija boards. (laughs) Don't mess around with that stuff. But it never occurred to me. Okay, so if someone really got into really dark stuff, what if I got into really light stuff? Yeah, right. Would I? Could I not encounter in some transcendental way, a uh, hypnotic way in, in angelic light or an angelic being or God in some way. I mean, I see it in the Bible. But I never really asked myself mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. questions, but when it comes to like, there are two halves, the, the physical half and the spiritual half. We're both. It's, it's the par- one of the, one of the many paradoxes of Christianity. How can I both be a physical being and a spiritual being? And, you know, when I die, my spirit before christ comes and brings everything back together my spirit is separated and i go to be with him when he comes back and puts it back in my body like that's crazy and i can't my head can't get there but i get that there's two there's two sides of me and i know how my physical life is touched but before for me i, I probably said this i it was a religion of imagination com- exclusively hmm. So to be close to him meant if I could get the right song with just the right build, on just the right day, I could cry. And over the years, I would cry a lot during songs, because that was really kind of our Eucharist, mm-hmm. was music, mm-hmm. um, and was a, was a feeling. Now, a feeling isn't physical. I, I recognize when I'm experiencing a feeling, but it's not something like, it's not tangible, I can't hold it. The irony, of course, is that the Catholic imagination is like a thousand times more broad and encouraged because it's not separated from sacraments. But, in, but a religion of imagination that is separated from a sacramental reality, is a, there's a great longing, but this great incompleteness. I feel what I tell people is I'm completing my journey as a Christian because I now feel not complete. I won't be complete till I'm with him, but I feel more completed than I had before, I definitely felt like I reached a point of just like, you're not going to get any farther than this Mm. unless you're tortured for your faith. Like, Mm. this is it. You've read the Bible for 30 some odd years and you've done this a thousand times. This is it. You know, everything there is to, I didn't, I wouldn't have said that, but I definitely believed that. Mm. But to encounter Christ sacramentally, even in adoration, there's this sacramental reality that begins to kind of overtake your life and how you see things and how you see the world. And I'd always I'd always prayed this and I think this is a big reason I ended up Catholic. Lord, I want to see things the way that you see them. I want to see people the way that you see them. I really wanted that. Whatever that meant I didn't fully know and now I understand. Mm-hmm. So, but my big question and then I'll I'll tee you off with this was okay, Christ was here, God incarnate. So at some point people actually got to really touch his physical body, hold his hand, hug him, kiss him, kiss his feet, cry on him, right? Like recline on him. And then he's gone. So it, in my mind, if I believe what I believe about Jesus, wouldn't that leave the world in a lesser state? Because mm-hmm. now I can't, he's gone.
1: And he says, it's better for you if I go.
0: Yeah, like that doesn't make any...
1: And I'll always be with you.
0: And, and this is my body. So I start putting those things together. Yeah. Oh, well, so he has left himself in a, in a mysterious way, because how could God be in a whisper at the edge of a cave? How could God be in a pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke, or in an ark, or in a little baby? It makes no sense. It's right. not meant to make sense. The, that, that Christ could be in the host is as senseless as that he could be in a baby. It, it's, it's all just, it's crazy. You know, that's of course where faith comes in, but that the Lord would help our faith by kissing our senses mm-hmm. with sacraments was just like, I wanted it immediately. Mm-hmm. I wanted it immediately because I knew that's closer. I can get closer to Him and that's what I wanted. So that was for me, the, the very profound shift in my beliefs. And I've tried to explain this to people. I'm not I'm not changed because change happens all the time. We're changing every day as we get older, as we die. We change where we live and we change jobs. We change clothes, change. There's nothing necessarily bad in change. Loss is different, right? Loss would be different. I'm not extracting, okay? It's not that I, I used to believe he was a son of God, but now I don't, right? That would be a sort of a negative. I got to keep everything I believed as an evangelical. Everything I got to keep, I just sort of, piling around it Mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. all of these other things. I got to keep music and I got to keep the cross. I got to even keep the symbols. I mean, geez, you want symbols. (laughs) Catholicism is just filled. Yeah. The smoke isn't doing anything, but it symbolizes. Yeah. Right? So that sacramental reality was, to me, the most glaring thing that I had been missing outside of history and a lot of theology and philosophy on morality, it was sacramental. So how would you as a priest explain a sacramental or even the word sacrament to somebody else who's like, I still don't get it?
1: Right. I know, I I mean, I think, uh, I I would, I mean, the simple way I would usually describe a sacrament is a symbol that contains the power which it signifies, Hmm. right? So. It, it is a symbol. It's just not merely a symbol. There's a there's a great quote from the the writer Flannery O'Connor who was at a at a, a gala of you know famous writers and there was one of them who was Catholic and going off and talking about the symbol of the Eucharist and how she thought it was a delightful symbol and blah 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 and and Flannery goes if it's just a symbol then to hell with it. I and love that quote. The, like, I
0: love that quote. Drop
1: the mic. Walk away. <laughs> um, uh, of course it is a symbol. It's just not merely a symbol. Right. It's not just a symbol. Uh, all the sacraments are, are symbols. They're symbols instituted by Christ that contain a power. And, uh, and that's a, you know, I, I think w- one of the things that, um, like I, there's some, I, I read some, uh, fantasy novels. There's a couple of fantasy, uh, authors that I, that I like and, um, it just has this way of kind of expanding the the imagination, or or even something like the Marvel movies or something. Um, you seen Doctor Strange? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and and I thought there was something like you know the little portal that they make. Yes. I was like, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the Eucharist. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> because this is this is this is something that people don't think about when it comes to the Eucharist. We tend to think we tend to get stuck on like, okay, so Jesus is there. But then there's a mass across town and Jesus is there too. And now I have Jesus in me and he is Jesus in him. And, you know, there's not enough Jesus to go around. But here's the thing. There's only one Jesus and he's up in heaven sitting at the right hand of the father. That's where Jesus is. He's not, you, you don't have a part of him when you take Holy Communion. He's not divided up. You're not taking a chunk of him.
0: Right, right
1: you have the whole jesus inside of you but think of it think of it like the the portal in doctor strange the the portal takes you somewhere else well it's like the eucharist is this portal that takes us to the the throne of of God, <laughs> I love how I love how so much of popular culture
0: just can't help but steal from Catholicism. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, you know, but then we got to steal it. We got to steal it back because right. we've we've relinquished it and forgotten about it. Yes, like, we do. This is like all of Je- like I'm in contact with Christ through the Eucharist, you know, and this is this is the the beauty of the sacraments, uh, the, the washing of water and baptism. No, 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 no. like I'm in contact with the blood of Christ washing me away from washing my sins with away. The
0: tomb, in uh,
1: and out I'm, of the tomb. I'm in I'm in the tomb, you know. I go to Mass, I'm at Calvary. I just I just stepped into a time machine that took me back to the foot of Calvary. I listen to the words of scripture and I go to that place you know, I'm standing there at the foot of Mount Sinai uh, as as Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments. This this is our this is our faith, and it's not merely an imaginative exercise, even though our imagination this is why this is why we have it. Right, right. <sighs> and I think this is why, you know, we mentioned this last time that, you know, what, 30% of Catholics believe in the true presence. Well, if we don't have an imaginative uh, sacramental worldview, and the only thing in my life I'm supposed to believe isn't what it actually seems to be, and it's actually something else, is the Eucharist. And that's it, like, okay, so that bread thing is actually the body of Christ. This is dumb. <laughs> but if my whole world is looking at everything as an image of something else, well. Oh, now i live in a really right. amazing world right and as we listen to uh, at, at easter which we celebrated recently as we listen to you know the exalted the, the the beautiful chant at the beginning of the easter vigil it just goes through salvation history and it's just talking about christ and his presence and god's activity in so many different places in in history Right. And so the 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 Christian the Christian worldview, the Catholic worldview is, you know, looking at the rain and the wind as images of the Holy Spirit, and this lake that's out here in the backyard as uh, as an image of the Great Flood, which was an image is a foreshadowing of baptism. Mm. And I look at the trees, which have their arms extended in praise to God. You're
0: reminding me. Keep going. You're reminding me of a great quote.
1: You know, it's all the whole the whole world. Scripture says is is glorifying God. Right. Like everything that breathes, give praise to God. Every every word of scripture, every page of scripture contains Christ, the sacraments, there's something hidden in, in every bit of it. And once we start seeing this, we walk into the church and we dip our finger into holy water. Well, why do I do that? Because it reminds me that I only was able to come into the church, which is the ark, Noah's ark, right. which saved him from the flood through those waters of baptism in which I was, I was buried with Christ and rose with him on the third day. Like, wow, all that? I just walked into the church. Yeah. Let's go, go back even further. Somebody asked me this the other day. Why, why are there always steps? And we have this old, beautiful church in Delano, both of them, both of the churches, you have to go yeah, up beautiful. steps, like, but they couldn't dig down deep enough for a legit basement. It's like, no, 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 they did that on purpose because yeah. you have to walk up to get to heaven, yeah, you have to you have to take the laborious way up towards to, in, towards Jesus, and then you get to enter into the to the heavenly gates. And why did why are church buildings so so? Why do you walk into the Cathedral of Saint Paul and look up? Because the ceiling is like five thousand feet high. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't covered in like beautiful imagery right. that you can somehow make out
0: right from that distance.
1: Yeah, and you you're supposed to walk in and, and look up and go <gasps> because it's an image of heaven this was this was to me one of the one of the most beautiful
0: realizations my very first mass my eyes were drawn towards the altar and then up not towards a man but they were drawn forward and up and i was encouraged to look my, my imagination was stimulated to look forward and to, to look up and I feel like everything about the Catholic faith—certainly flawed humans aside—everything about the Catholic faith, as founded by Christ, is designed to fix my
1: eyes on Christ. Right, and like it, His and it,
0: hands are taking my face.
1: Yeah, and in a beautiful church, that's the that's the point. Everything that I get distracted by actually can point me towards the spiritual world. Right, like. Uh, oh, look at that gold candlestick. Oh, yeah, because the 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 sentinels, the the cherubim, the 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 flaming ones are standing at the throne of God, worshiping and crying out, holy, holy, holy. Oh, look at that! Look at that beautiful picture of Saint Peter kneeling and receiving the keys. Yeah, because Jesus entrusted to him the the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and and said, what you bind will be bound on earth, and what you loose will be loosed on earth and in heaven. And you know, everything that I look at, I look at the priest, and if if I'm I'm praying well as the, as the priest, and you're like, "Wow, he's he's in persona Christi. He's yep. he's he's really right. doing this." You know, I can look at I can look at even another worshipper, and if they're if they're worshiping well, if they're receiving communion well, then I say, "Wow, they're they're, they're entering into yeah. another." And it's world. Ha-
0: always hands raised, and head raised, and eyes raised. Yeah, everything is raised. There's a great great quote from um, R.J. Snell. This is from a Catholic thing article that he wrote. And I'm going to modify it a bit just for the sake of our conversation. But um, the, the the Protestant, when I say Protestant, it's, um, I'm thinking sort of non-orthodox, non-liturgical Protestants. The Protestant mind wants the purity of a narrow gospel. The Catholic mind wants everything. They want God in every place, person, institution, tabernacle throughout the world. And I, that to me was like, yes, that's what I. Once I can understand a mind that just the mind that says just give me the Bible, that's it, and I I can see that that person still wants Christ, um, but this sort of opening and expanding that He's everywhere, and in all things, and gave us this imagination. Paul even said that there's no excuse for not knowing God because mm-hmm. He's everywhere. You can look around everywhere, and you can see Him, and to experience Him sacramentally is so important because. David tells us in the Psalms that we worship a God who hides. Our God is a God who hides. Which means we gotta be looking for him. Right. Which (laughs) you got to find something that's hidden. You got to look for something that hides. And what I think was Moses was closest to God in terms of like a physical way. He got to see like the back of God or something as he walked away. Um, But we worship a God who hides. There was always a tabernacle, there was always an ark. It was always hidden. There was a process of getting close to him that was
1: terrifying. And and this is actually, this is actually sometimes, sometimes people get, you know, like we have a veil, there's a veil on the tabernacle in a lot of churches and like, why is it, why is it veiled? Like, because God is hiding, you know, why is, why is there a veil over the chalice? Because it's, you know, it's hiding, you know. Why? Why does the priest wear these these funny robes? And because I'm hiding, you know. Huh. Every, everything's everything's hiding, you know. Even even at parts during the the the, the Eucharistic celebration at, during Mass, you know. Whether the priest is facing the people and he's he's leaning down and you have all these books and candles and like I can't see like yeah because God's hiding but he's gonna he's gonna come out in a second here look now you can see him now he's going he's hiding again um or, or if you're celebrating the priest is celebrating at orientum, we're all looking the same direction together you can't see and then all of a sudden oh, there he is there he is yes and then he goes away again and there should be a, a longing there should be yeah it, it, so there there should be it, it can be okay like I wish I could I want to see yeah good. Take that with you. Take that with you out into the into the world. I want to see Jesus. Right. Good, right. good. But don't don't force it. Allow it to allow it to to happen in its time. Because in a moment you're gonna get to come up and see him face to face and receive him on your tongue. And like, yeah, that's I I got to I got to wait for it. You know, I had to wait for it. Yeah. Um,
0: All good things come to those who wait. I you just reminded me. I was, at a, I was at a mass once, um, pre-COVID, and there was a, an older couple in front of me and their daughter, I would say she was in her 20s, was disabled. And she just kept looking back at me, and I was smiling at her. And, but she just kept looking back at me, looking back at me, and my boys were smiling at her. And then as we got ready for communion, I said, uh, she looked back again, I said, he's coming, he's coming. And she got really excited. But then she got, she started crying when she couldn't see Him. Um, it was only in the Eucharist and her her parents, I could tell, were frustrated because that had never happened before. But she was expecting to see Him. I was just shocked through the heart in that moment. Ah. Like, That's what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. Right, right, yeah. That's what I was supposed to be expecting. I'll never forget the look of sadness on her face.
1: And that's that's why we call that's why we call the the Eucharist sometimes referred to as the the pledge of eternal life. You know, it's it's the we live in this already, but not yet. Like that's that's a big you know big thing. The
0: kingdom is here, but it's coming. Right. Which is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And like and Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and then somehow it's it's like I want more. I want to see him face to face. Yeah, good. That's that's kind of the point. But if we don't recognize the the foretaste, then we're not going to recognize uh, the the fulfillment. To know this is one
0: of my favorite lines in Scripture. To know that moment when we'll know even as we are fully known. Yeah. I think about that as it relates to the Eucharist. This is as close I can get to that moment where I can finally know the way I'm fully known. Because we we forget. You know, God is outside of time. There isn't a yesterday or a tomorrow in heaven. We can't even fathom that concept because it's unfathomable, just like right. eternity is unfathomable. Right. But God is perpetually living every moment that's ever been, that ever will be, all in sort of one stream of time. And so in that moment, we kind of, the mass is like this crazy way of floating outside of time for a moment in joining him in this in this timelessness as she's experiencing the cross still right now and the resurrection still right now all of these things happening in one just for god one long stream of eternal nowness
1: right which i can't even like i there's no way to describe it right and, and yeah and, and the more we start thinking this way and entering into this the more we start seeing and the more connections we start making. And I mean, the, the Eucharist is, is one, one sacrament that is a symbol, that is a reality that's contained within that, you know, but there's, there's all like you and you and your wife symbolize something you've, You've made a sacrament, and it wasn't like a one-time sacrament, like, hey, we received a sacrament today when we set our vows, and that's that's in the past, like, no, it's a perduring sacrament. You're living that sacrament, and when you're living it well, the image is Christ's love for the church, right. and how did Christ love the church? By suffering, and so that's why there's suffering in marriage, but there's a grace there, a power to actually love our spouse in the suffering, Right? You know, or the, the oil that I smear on somebody's forehead and their hands when I give them the anointing of the sick. And you know, it's it's it transforms in a certain way that their own suffering becomes Christ's suffering. Right. You know, and I'll 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 say I, I anointed somebody the other day, and they couldn't speak, and I don't know how much they could understand, but I just said, just know that your suffering is transformed now. Amen. It's actually Christ on the cross in you. Amen. You know, and. But if, and and I don't know. I mean, hopefully that that sinks in to us. Right. Um, you know, this is this is where the saints say crazy things all the time. Like, I feel Christ close to me when I'm suffering. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, because they realize that suffering has been redeemed, and right. now Christ is in it, and they can be close to Him in it, and. We we want to practice those things because we're going to have to suffer. Correct. Every young couple is going to go through a hard time in their marriage, yep. and it's going you're going to be on the cross. Yeah. And in that moment, you have to remind yourself. You remember, like, oh, Christ is in this, and we're all going to have physical suffering. We're all going to die, and in right. this, those moments, you say, no, Christ, Christ comes close to me. Yeah. Provided that I'm, I'm, I'm living, you know, the life of the sacraments, which isn't just the reception of the sacraments, but it's this uh, mental, imaginative, intentional commitment to see God and His, His power and His movement everywhere. And this, this is the great truth of being a, a Christian,
0: specifically inside the Catholic Church. But Christians as a whole have tended to have this view of suffering is not a bad thing. Our whole life as humans tends to be to avoid suffering at all costs. Right. Right? Now, certainly you don't walk around trying to hurt yourself. Okay? We recognize that I'm in the image of God. I myself am sacramental as a human. Right. So I don't walk around trying to hurt myself. But at the same time, when when suffering comes that we can't control, only in the Christian faith do we find this idea of suffering as a good thing, but only in the Catholic Christian faith, we find the fullness of that idea is suffering, being redemptive right. and a way that really gets us closest to him. And ironically, you see this outside of the church in the pagan world, when people are really in a lot of pain, okay, now I'm gonna ask God for something. <laughs> That's when they really start to pray. But for saints, we see most, maybe, maybe in all saints, we see their sainthood coming through some form of suffering
1: uh, uh, or death. Right. And and when no, no saint had an, had an easy easy life. But no. because they could see, because they had the sacrament, mental vision, um, they they could. When it, when it came, it didn't it didn't knock them down. No, know? and it could be even
0: it could be, not just welcomed but embraced. Yeah. Like as Christ, I, I picture. Um, the there's this great scene um, in The Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel's Christ stops for a moment and seems to hug the cross. Right, yeah. Um, just for a moment, not to rest, but to... Uh, I, I know it was intentional. It was oh, yeah. It was an intentional yeah. choice in that shot, but it's such a beautiful picture of Christ uh, embracing. And to embrace something means to not just accept it, but to... Love it to want it,
1: Right. so I don't necessarily well, ask for. And, and you, there's so many stories of uh, Saint Thomas More, for instance, but other saints who were uh, going to their death or they were on their deathbed and they're they're comforting their their friends and family who are mourning over their their illness or their impending death, and they because they see it like death is not the end, right? Death is the doorway to eternal life, and they they see it so clearly, and they say, "Yeah, if I got to if I got to die to get to that door, then if I got to suffer to get to that door, like I know what's on the other side of there." Yeah,
0: yeah. Frisardi used to say, "My death will be my happiest day." Yeah, it'll be my happiest day. Thomas, you said Saint Thomas More thanked his, thanked his executioner. Right. Hey, you're sending me off to. Right. (laughs) I'm sure he prayed
1: for him on the other side too. Yeah, and 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 that's where, you know, as. yeah, I, I've, I've when somebody dies as a, as a as a priest, sometimes like I gotta muster the the compassion of like, yeah, I'm sorry in the loss of your loved one. But if they died in the in the good graces, you know, with the sacraments and everything, I'm like, let's uh, let's not worry too much you about should, this. You should envy them right now. Right. I,
0: I would I would say this might be a bold statement, but if you're struggling, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with sacramental reality or Christ in the Eucharist or why we do any of this this sort of sacrament stuff as a Christian, I would make an argument that you might also be a person who is strenuously trying to avoid any suffering in your life Hmm. or who is not embracing suffering. I've found that the more suffering, and there seems to be, at least for me right now, a lot in my life of just suffering, um, the more I engage with the sacraments, the less uh, pain my suffering causes me the closer I feel to Christ and the more I want the sacraments, the more I want to take confession regularly, the more I want, I mean, I'm not in a place right now where I can go to daily mass and it, I've just had to give that up to the Lord and be okay with that. But I want, if I could go every day, if there was some miraculous way to make that work, I would do it. And I'm hoping that day comes soon because I recognized now like suffering in a weird way, sort of, is required to really embrace a sacramental reality and embrace the joys in life.
1: Uh, yeah. There, there's, there's something to that. I'm ponder that. But yeah, this Who is it? St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Therese. Suffering is the kiss of Christ. And if I can really be convinced of that, if I can really experience that, that Christ is kissing me when I'm suffering, then, golly, I mean, That Jesus is present in the Holy Eucharist? Yeah, I can get there.
0: Yeah, that's easy. (laughs) Suffering somehow, it opens the imagination, I think, in a way that I think I'd like to ponder more. Yeah.
1: Not that I'm asking for more suffering, Lord. Yeah. Just thy will be done. <laughs> will be That's done. That's the
0: hardest thing to say. <laughs> that will be done. I was teaching that to my boy. who really wanted something good to happen. He was waiting for this good thing to happen. I said, "Buddy." He said, "Should I pray? Should I, should I promise the Lord that I'll, I'll do better each day or try to be more good?" I said, "No, no, no. Just, just say thy will be done. That will be done. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We'll see you next time." At Catholic Order of Foresters, we're committed to bringing Catholic values to life and financially protecting Catholic families right here in Minnesota. Our members enjoy benefits like scholarship eligibility and peace of mind knowing their family is secure even if something happens to them. Each year, thousands join us to support people in need through our Feeding God's Children events, spirituality tap-ins, and mission trips. Wouldn't you love to be a part of an organization that embodies your Catholic values? Find out how you can be a part of Catholic Order of Foresters by calling General Agent Brian Markiton at 763-658-4009. That's Brian at 763-658-4009.